This is your host, T. This is your host, Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top 10. Why? Geek Vibes Nation. Geek Vibes Nation. 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 The Top 10. The Top 10. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Top 10 by Geek Vibes Nation. As always, I'm your host, Tia, and I have with me the fabulous Brittany. How are you doing tonight? (laughs) I just say, don't you toot my horn. (laughs) I always do. You are my co-host, my BFF, my ride or die. Like, I gotta hype you up. (laughs) speaking of like i was gonna say speaking of that but i guess it's slightly different um so last night talking about like attaching themselves to someone Mm -hmm. whiskey my cat uh i woke up to claw marks on my neck because the little fucker was like so attached like so like oh my god let me love you he was kneading my neck all night long, but with his claws. And I was like, no wonder I kept having nightmares of getting hurt, you little bastard. Well, be careful that those things don't permanently scar because that uh, scratch from Apollo on my cheek is still there. It's just like healed. And I think I'm just going to have a permanent scratch down my cheek, which. You just need to tell people that you got like. You got mugged, then you like escaped with your life, and all you yeah. have to remember by is like a little scar on your cheek. That sounds cool. I feel like Nick Fury after getting scratched by a flurkin. It's like, oh, how'd you lose your eye? And you can't say that it's literally because some space cat scratched it out. You have to like make up something cool and mysterious. It's just like it's been a bother for me lately. It's not like so prominent, but it's like. I don't know, I'm 31 years old, so I went 31 years of my life with my face looking one way, and now I got this, like, little scratch, Then I'm like, Jesus Christ, didn't think That's that... Sure, you look beautiful. <laughs> also, I think, uh, oh, is it vitamin C, or there's it's something... It's like vitamin like, E. Oh, yeah, that should help. I gotta get it, I've just been putting it off of getting it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, um... Oh, there's another note I was going to make it. Oh, oh, like when he got scratched by the cap, mm-hmm. I always laugh because he's so casual. Like, he doesn't say, ow, he doesn't look like anything. He's like, oh, I guess I have no eyeball now. No yeah. That eye. I, but to me, I think that scene is so hilarious because Nick Fury brushes it off like, oh, it's just a scratch. It's no big deal. And Talos is looking at him like, oh, <laughs> you poor bitch. You have no you idea. Poor- <laughs> i love it i love it but yeah so Brittany, thank you for being here with me tonight we are doing the top 10 and this one is another actor spotlight we have done jeffrey dean morgan john bernthal scoot mcnary and tonight we have none other than the man himself tom hardy it's so funny because a this actually is um works out really well because they just came out with the trailer for the second Venom movie, Venom Let There Be Carnage. I want to ask you, Brittany, really quick, 
you didn't see the first Venom, which I tell you constantly that you need to. And I'm going to make you once you come here in October. But um, having not seen the first Venom, what did you think about the trailer for the second movie? Honestly, you know, having seen the trailers of at least the first one, I felt like the production value went way up. Like It kind of almost felt like... And I mean this as a compliment. It almost felt like a Marvel movie, you yeah. know. Uh, you know, even though you know Marvel, but you know, it's like it. It felt funny. It kind of was very reminiscent of Deadpool too, mm-hmm. especially with the breakfast part, you know. And you know, I like that he kind of had that um, that that symbiotic relationship with Venom, you know, between like cooking and he's just dealing with it and just discussing with Venom while doing it, it was just, like, very interesting to me, and I felt like the build-up was good, and you know how normally whenever a big problem of movies nowadays is that they explain the entire plot in the trailer, like, any twist, too, I felt like this was just, like, yeah, there's gonna be carnage, uh, it, it left, it left more for, like, the imagination. Yeah, and listen, I really liked the 2018 Venom movie. And I'll tell you this, I had really low expectations. Um, When the trailers came out for that first movie, I really wasn't excited. I wanted to be excited because I'm like, it's Tom Hardy. It's a comic book movie. It is a Marvel movie, even though it's Sony, not Disney. But I was like, I want to be excited for this. But there wasn't once where the trailers grabbed me. So I went in with super low expectations. And certainly it isn't, say, the best Um, movie ever in the comic book realm but I thought it was good for what it was right um but this trailer blew me away I am all for it I'm super pumped um just to give you a quick background Brittany I mean the first movie is you know Eddie first meeting Venom and it's obviously really terrible because you know Eddie's literally a host for this symbiotic alien and then at the end of the movie it kind of comes to an understanding where they work together so I thought it was interesting that now we're going to see them actually living together and Eddie kind of looking exhausted but kind of managing at the same time um I thought it looked great I love Woody Harrelson as Cletus Cassidy oh he's gonna kill it he's gonna be so good in it so I'm really excited for the second Venom. It's directed by Andy Serkis. If you know Andy Serkis, not only did he play the bad guy in Black Panther, but he's literally been in like every movie ever. He was Smeagol from the Lord of the Rings. He was... uh, Oh my gosh. Yeah, so he he's a very well-known person in Hollywood, so it's cool that he's directing this. And I'm just pumped. I am pumped. Um, So I'm pumped for... Go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, I, I kind of like that, you know, people knew what he was. With, oh, yeah, with Venom, I did, too. Like, um, that store clerk is in the first one. Eddie goes to her a lot, and you see that at some point she's kind of getting, like, the reason why she says, oh, you're protecting me is because in the first movie, and listen, I'm not even going to say spoiler alert, it's been three years since this thing came out, but... Uh, <laughs> At the end, you keep seeing in the first one that she's getting hassled by local gangs who are forcing her to pay them for, you know, quote unquote, protection, right? No. So at the end of the first Venom, Eddie goes in there and he already, it's the end of it. So he already has Venom like with him. 
and they see her getting hassled by this gangster and they and pretty much venom like eats him <laughs> because venom tra- like <laughs> venom tra- like eddie transforms into venom in front of her so she knows who he is and he just like eats the gangster so yeah <laughs> that's why she knows what she knows about venom so i love it um, um, I was gonna laugh because every time you get saying, "Oh, getting hassled or something," I was like, "Don't hassle the hoff." Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> I, like you, like the whole time, I was like, "Must not say it. Must not interrupt." And you said it anyway. <laughs> I did it anyways, but I, at least I held on to it for a second. That is true. That is true. So obviously we're excited for that and we're excited for this top 10. Uh, Before we go right into it, of course, I have to give two shout outs tonight. One is, of course, for our good friends over at Stranger Damies. You guys know Stranger Damies is a D&D podcast from the main Damie family of podcasts. They stream every Wednesday. If you are into Dungeons and Dragons and you love epic 80s references, dragons, fairies, all this mystical shit, you are going to the right place with Stranger Damies. They're awesome people. You have Mark, Anthony, and Dan, and a bunch of other friends, including Dan's awesome wife, Jen. So make sure you check them out. Uh, you can check them out on Twitter and Instagram at Stranger Damies, as well as their main page, Main Damie, both uh, on Twitter and Instagram as well. I also want to give a huge shout out to the guys and gals over at the kind and nerdy girls podcast i was just on their podcast yesterday or no i'm sorry two days ago and it was so much fun i have to tell you it was so much fun sitting with kj patrick jonna and katie they are hilarious they do a really good show over at the kind and nerdy girls podcast make sure you go check them out make sure you check out our recent episode we talk marvel dc Chris Evans and Michael B. Jordan. So it's a lot of fun. Um, and it was just laughter all the way. And the girl Katie on their podcast is their resident gamer. And she apparently is going to start playing Red Dead Redemption. I'm not sure if it's the first or second one or both, but she's going to start playing it soon. So that's fun. <laughs> and they are, that's, that's good for content. They are long games. And I hear the, the plot is uh, always a tearjerker, whether it's the first one or the second one. Funny enough, Red Dead Redemption comes from the same people who made GTA. So there you go you're like i'm used to having my emotions toyed with yeah exactly so yeah anyway please make sure you go check them out i had a blast on their podcast on saturday so please check out again the kindy nerdy girls podcast they're amazing they also have another podcast kind of nerdy dudes it's us all the same people it's just it's so much fun. They're so fantastic. So make sure you check them out. But speaking about fantastic podcasts, this top 10 is a fantastic podcast. Let's start this off. Top 10 Tom Hardy rolls. Before you go, before I hand it off to you, Brittany, it's so funny. The other day, Paulie was watching Lawless, which is kind of what kicked off me saying, like, let's do a Tom Hardy podcast. Um, oh, it's so big. But I sat there and I said to myself, you know, there was a time where almost no one knew who Tom Hardy was. Like now Tom Hardy is pretty much a household name. But I remember being a fan of his before that, right? Seeing him in Star Trek and a few other little roles that he had and really liking him. 
And when he was in the Batman movies and Lawless, I was like, this was the time that he suddenly started getting recognized. And then you see all these other people who are like, yeah, of course I know Tom Hardy. I'm like, ah, but you didn't always. I knew Tom Hardy. <laughs> yeah, like, I knew him before he was cool. <laughs> it's kind of like how I feel with John Bernthal. And I'm like, I feel like I was a fan of John Bernthal's before he really started becoming a household name. And it's like, it's cool. I'm glad that the public is getting wise. It's just like, it, it's it's like that scene in Mulan with um, Mushu where he's like, oh, you know, he's so proud of Mulan going off and, you know, fighting the bad guys and everything. It's like, that's me. I'm just like getting my proud moment of like Tom Hardy and John Bernthal getting like popular. It just feels good. But anyway, <laughs> Brittany, <laughs> let's start this off. What's your number 10? Matt, you know, it's on my list and you saying it at I'm almost torn. To, oh, I don't want to do it now or later. You know uh, that our list is never in order. That is true. That is true. Um, you know, I think, yeah. I, can I go ahead and do Lawless? Yes, you can. <laughs> I'm going to say, so this really, for me, was such like a kickoff because I love, like, these kind of old-timey prohibition. I remember I watched it for the very first time with you Mm -hmm. uh, when you came to Arkansas years ago. And I remember at the time, you know, I was still, like, I think I was, like, 19 or 20, and I was, like, still writing fan fiction. I had never wrote anything with, like, you know, human characters in it. Uh, It was always, like, you know, animated. And I remember this freaking movie took me by storm and having, uh, having Forrest in it, he was so, which coming off of it, like, oh, in the book, it's like, oh yeah, he's a thin man. And it's like, no, that dude's like about to pop through his fucking sweater. Um, But I love that he was just such a silent kind of like dark character but it's like oh you almost mistake him right you almost mistake him for being like um like always oh, kind of quiet he can't be bad and it's like dude you know i know he's the main character but he remember when he beats the guy with the freaking knuckles i love that <laughs> i i do too i was gonna say though um i think for me with Lawless, you remember during this movie, I would leave it on repeat. It was on Netflix once upon a time, and I would just watch this movie. Dude, be like, What are you doing? I'm like, I'm watching Lawless. And the whole reason I watched it was because I loved Forrest so much in it. Have you Uh, met Howard? (laughs) That was the scene. That was the scene that Polly was watching the other day where it was like, Have you met Howard? (laughs) Howard. Dude, that that was such a good movie all around, but I really felt like Tom Hardy took it. Like I I wasn't used to getting those stoic, gruff characters, and I was like, oh no, this awoken something and this has awakened something in me. (laughs) I love Lawless. Um I can't even tell you how it got on my radar, right? It had to be that I saw it after I saw The Dark Knight Rises. And I I don't know. I can't tell you how this got on my radar. But I think you were still probably simping for Bane at the time. I was like, yes. I mean, <laughs> that is not your MOT. You're like, I really like this actor. I must watch everything they've ever acted in, even if it's some indie film that has never saw the light of day. 
Pretty much, pretty much. But um, Lawless, quick background, is uh, based apparently on a true story. It's based on a book uh, that was named The Wettest County in the World. Um, And it was written by, I think, the grandson of not Forrest Bondurant, but the character that um, Shia LaBeouf plays. And it's all about these brothers, the Bondurant brothers, during the Prohibition era making moonshine. And it is so good. You just have these characters that... eh, It's one of those things where it's like, moonshine was obviously illegal, but they're in this small town where everyone is doing it. The law knows they're all getting a piece of the pie. And for for the most part, it's not bothering anyone. But then you get like this really big, you know, asshole from Chicago that comes in who's trying to take down all the bootleggers. And um, the Bondurants are not budging. <laughs> and Forrest is nearly indestructible. Like there's all this lore around him because you literally can't kill him. Oh, <laughs> I'm like dude that he was wearing like you know when people are like oh they're wearing plot armor he was wearing plot armor like but like IRL it's funny because in the book and apparently in real life there were other things he survived things they just didn't touch upon in the movie like apparently logs fell on him and shit and this guy was indestructible but Tom Hardy is so good in this character for a character who doesn't say a lot, right? Forrest yeah. doesn't say a lot. He does grunt. But there's still so much character to him because you can tell what kind of man he is. He's very stoic, but he's also very protective of his family. And while he's stern at times, it's still that very, like, don't mess with my family sort of thing. And it's so the best parts are between him and Jessica Chastain as Maggie because dude she, I was just about to say that so I'm sorry bad. I'm just saying like she's so full of life and it's so cute like remember the scene where he keeps putting his hat on the table and she keeps moving it and putting it on the chair <laughs> Oh, I love that because you know the whole time you're like, oh, there, you know, he's so gruff, and and you can see her longingly looking at him, like when they're going to bed at night, and it's almost like just waiting for the invitation. It was so good. Oh my god, that scene where she goes into his bedroom and she's like, "Are you just gonna stare at me forever?" And I was like, "Oh, oh, <laughs> that lady knows what to get when she wants." <laughs> I love that whole movie. Um, And fun fact before we go to the next one, um, as Brittany said, apparently from the book, Forrest was supposed to be a very lanky person because I think he came down with the Spanish flu when he was younger. And obviously Tom Hardy was not lanky. He was very big because he was just coming off of filming The Dark Knight Rises, right? And... Apparently, according to, you know, behind the scenes facts, they put a bunch of sweaters on him because they were trying to mask how big he was. But I'm like, that just made him bigger. (laughs) Oh, I was going to say, it only made him look like a fucking, like, monster. Uh, Like, Tom Hardy as Forrest looked like a tank. (laughs) Dude, I was fine with 
you know and that's like another thing for like acting chops when they're like i don't care that you don't fully fit the part you know you're perfect he was perfect and i loved that movie um everything about it i could still watch it to this day and enjoy it so yeah definitely forrest bondurant in lawless is the perfect way to start this off um i'm going to get number nine i'm trying to think like what order even though we just said that there really isn't an order or anything i'm going to do another movie that was one of his early ones that kind of people start recognizing him for even though it wasn't as mainstream um and that's going to be bronson now i know Brittany, Ooh, that good one i know that you didn't get through the movie and it wasn't necessarily your cup of tea but i really liked um this movie so it's all about um tom hardy as charles bronson not the actor the very famous uh english criminal who apparently was such a bad criminal that literally at some point the they let him out of prison because he just fought all the time (laughs) um i like when they're so bad that even the prison can't contain them yeah they're like oh my god please leave so um this was all about the real life tale of bronson i just really loved what tom hardy did with this role how he um acted in it where you had scenes where he's kind of talking to the camera and he's um you know discussing why he did what he did with his life the movie literally starts with him saying like all his life all he wanted to do was be famous but you know he couldn't act he couldn't sing he couldn't dance the one thing he could do is fight so (laughs) he fought everyone and everything to the point where he became famous for it um that's relatable and and the thing is in real life i mean he gets sentenced to not that much time because it was kind of like a petty theft thing that he gets sent to prison for but because he literally cannot stop like starting fights in prison they just keep sentencing him and at one point i think he was in solitary confinement for decades and the crazy thing is that tom hardy actually went and spoke to the real charles bronson because I don't know if he's still alive now, but he was alive at the uh, at the moment that they filmed the movie. So I kind of like that Tom Hardy went to that those lengths of dedication to speak with him. Didn't he even say that the the real dude was even like scarier in real life than he was like portraying him? I mean, probably, but I think uh, according to interviews that the guy Bronson was like impressed that Tom Hardy came to him. <laughs> um so i mean that's cool i guess but i don't know um it it was just such a wild character for tom hardy to play and he really just went out there and that's the thing like tom hardy seems like one of those guys that you know i i don't i don't know how to say it but it's like you wouldn't think that he'd play such an eccentric character but this character was super eccentric i mean you know at some point he's wearing face paint and he's like you know making all these like crazy faces and everything it's just really impressive um and the fight scenes are really good just because they're so freaking crazy but um 
I don't have like a whole lot to say about this movie or this role other than this was one of the early roles that I was introduced to as Tom Hardy because at this point he didn't have a lot of mainstream roles for people to go back and watch so this was like oh if you like Tom Hardy because you saw him in Lawless you should check out Bronson because that shit's crazy and it really freaking was it really was I remember, like, we were, like, watching, you know, we would show me clips and everything, and I, and I, I think I, I got through quite a bit of it, like, like, not a lot, a lot, but, like, try to go through, but I was just, like, the pure brutality in it was, like, intense. And I can see why maybe it wouldn't be necessarily someone's, you know, best, um, I can see where it's not someone's cup of tea, but for me, it just because it was one of the first things that I saw Tom Hardy in, I'm always going to regard it quite high. And just because I think it showed that Tom has the ability to really um, change faces, essentially. Like, for me, we did a podcast where we talked about really versatile actors. And we certainly mentioned Christian Bale because he has the ability to be a different person every single project he's in. And I feel a lot of that of Tom Hardy as well. He kind of loses himself in the, because like, it's like, you know, as some will see later on, could you have ever seen like, oh, the man, you know, that played Forrest Bonder on, also played, you know, X, Y, and Z. You'd be like, no way, no way. Yeah, exactly. The one thing I'll say about Tom Hardy, and I know this is a podcast praising him, we certainly love Tom Hardy. The And it's the same thing with Benedict Cumberbatch. I just don't think they do the best. I don't think they do the best American accent. Some people who are not American can do really great American accents. Like Killian Murphy um, kills it. Like um, Tom Holland kills it but uh tom hardy and benedict cumberbatch don't always kill it <laughs> it's kind of like so with uh oh what's his name oh with uh tom holland mm-hmm. i forget all the time that he's not american because <laughs> he loses like because i don't watch a lot of his interviews and stuff and so whenever i'm like oh yeah and I sit there, but never once have I been like, oh, yeah, Tom Hardy or Benedict Cumberbatch. To me, they're always, like, British or, you know, English. Yeah, exactly. No, I forget Tom Holland is uh, English all the time. And then you see him in interviews and it's like, oh, shit, that's right. <laughs> you're, you're super proper. You know who also does a pretty good job masking um, their English accent? Um, Henry Cobble. I think he does a fairly good oh. job. He's not American? He's British. <laughs> He's got a thick-ass British accent. You, oh, you I haven't ever I've watched ever The Witcher. Speak. I don't think I've ever heard him speak um, besides in a, in a movie. Oh, my God. Um, I'll, I'll have to send you an interview with him so you can see. But before we move on, I wanted to make one distinction here because we're talking about English actors who can or can't do American accents. 
Um, I do know, yes, that Killian Murphy is Irish. Uh, that's why I said before, non-American actors doing American accents. I wanted to make sure I made that distinction because there's a very infamous interview from like 10 plus years ago where a guy is interviewing Tom Hardy and Killian Murphy and literally says, so you guys are both from England? And they're like, no, Killian's from Ireland. And he's like, yeah, so you're both English. And they're like, no, Killian's from Ireland. So I just wanted to make sure that everyone knew that, yes, I know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> no, I already talked about that. Like, my thing is when people are like, what's the difference? And I'm like, you make us look really you bad. Make, it's like, what's um, the difference? It's like two different con- uh, two different countries, two different locations, two different cultures, two different everything. It's like, you're making us look really stupid that you don't know what the difference is between England and Ireland. <laughs> that would be like somebody looking at me and you and going, well, you're both, uh, you're both uh, New Yorkers. And it's like, do no. I look like that? Is that, uh, do I sound like I? you know like you know what I mean it's just I don't know I just remember that interview because I was like this is the most awkward thing ever and now that I do interviews with actors I understand sometimes being very nervous and kind of like flubbing every once in a while but I feel like I wouldn't have made that mistake watch me say that that and I actually make a mistake like that later on but anyway um let's move on Brittany what's your number eight uh, my number eight is going to be, let me see here, um, I'm going to go with The Revenant, uh, with John Fitzgerald. Um, you, you, know, mean, this... you mean the performance that should have won an Oscar? <laughs> All right. Wait, I thought, I thought Leonardo DiCaprio did win a one from this one. That's what, up for Tom Hardy. that's what I'm saying. Tom Hardy deserved that award over Leo. Oh, buddy. <laughs> no, he like, you know, I didn't expect him to play such a great villain in this mm-hmm. because I, you know, I had heard stories at the time before I'd even watched the movie. They're like, oh yeah, that bear, that bear is the main villain. <laughs> like it fucked him up. And I was like, what? And you know, and so when I get, came in there and you have very racist John Fitzgerald against Native Americans and like, you know, Hugh Glass and his son, uh, which I got to remember, oh, his son was Hawk, who also died very early on in the movie, spoiler alert, um, but kind of the, the catalyst for this. Um, but, you know, John Fitzgerald for me was such, I'm trying to think of the word, I, it was a lot different than I felt that Tom Hardy normally did you know because sometimes he gets the pretty act he gets the villain he gets this and it's like this dude was like rough but he was villainous in a way that wasn't like completely out there at the beginning you know what I mean like he was he was very conniving but almost in the way of like he really had uh Jim uh Bridger you know Will Poulter's character um, very convinced like yes you know they were murdered blah 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 you know it's fine let's run we gotta go and it's like no John Fitzgerald that's not it at all <laughs> and I love his story of getting like scalped and that was another reason for like his prejudice but it's like he was always covering his head and I'm like you probably deserved it butto when you think back on it, you're like you know what you deserve that but um <laughs> I remember seeing The Revenant 
in theaters. I saw it with my friend Emma, and that bear scene was rough, by the way. <laughs> that bear yeah, scene was, was really rough. Yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> but I remember, and so, listen, like, Leonardo DiCaprio is a fantastic actor, and he's been deserving an Oscar for years. It's just, it wasn't that movie. There are so many yeah. other movies that he deserved an Oscar over. And when you look at that movie, like, Tom Hardy was acting his ass off because you're right he was an asshole he was conniving the entire time when he sat there and he was trying to convince will poulter's character that the two of them had died and that they need to move on i was like you son of a bitch um but i thought he got a very deserving end because wasn't it that he went down the river and it literally led him to a group of native americans and it kind of was like all right good now Go kill this dude. <laughs> Go kill. Yeah, like, I think it was the same group um, that, correct me if I'm wrong, because uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character ends up saving that Native American girl that's being raped by the French guys. And so they, but I think, I don't know if he was working with them or if they were already mad because of the last situation and getting her back or what. But it was, yes, it was very fitting. Yeah, I forget. It's been a really long time since I've seen the movie, so I don't want to be quoted on a lot of it. Um, But, oh god, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that movie was so crazy, because a lot of it was, I don't want to say a lot of it was dragging on, but a lot of it was no uh, dialogue and a lot of scenery and things like that. And then you had these moments that were so almost casually violent does that make sense where it's like it out of nowhere leonardo dicaprio is getting mauled by a bear and then out of nowhere it's just the scene and then this girl is getting horrifically uh sexually assaulted and it's like what is this movie (laughs) yeah um that was like it it was very jarring in the way they did it you know it's almost like the quentin tarantino's where it's like you know that it's going to be bloody, but when it kind of gets you, like, you're like, everything's safe and wonderful, and you're like, oh, no, never mind, it's a Quentin Tarantino movie, nothing's going to be fine, something <laughs> awful's going to happen. <laughs> something awful's going to happen. I'm in danger. <laughs> I'm in danger. No, but I really like you putting down John Fitzgerald from The Revenant. Um, I think that that was one of Tom Hardy's standout performances, and I just wish it had gotten recognized a little more, but I think due to Leo being there and obviously uh, the Academy pushing so much for him to get an Oscar, I think that that outshined the actual performance that deserved an award. (laughs) Do you feel that... uh... You know, obviously, you know, his acting was amazing in it, but do you feel like they almost gave it to him then just because of the jokes constantly about, oh, you know, when's he going to get his, you know, he's always been slept on, he never got, you know, it's was a running joke, because I feel like there were so many other things that he deserved it even more for than this movie, because, you know, people talk about it, but it's not constantly talked about like it used to be. And at least, like, say, with, like, Silence of the Lamb, you know, you still hear about it. You know what I mean? You st- it still gets brought up casually as, like, oh, you know, but you don't hear it as much now, so I'm almost like, it was a great movie, but do you feel that this was the movie that he should have gotten it for? Or, you know, should he have just gotten it way back with Titanic? 
So I'll tell you this, that Revenant, the Revenant is not memorable at all. It's a completely not memorable movie. Um, I think it'll be one of those movies that gets lost in time. Um, and that's just my opinion about it. It's not something. I can agree with that. Um, I'm pulling up Leonardo DiCaprio's filmography, so I can tell you exactly all the movies that he deserved to win over The Revenant. And <laughs> it's definitely going to be Titanic, Titanic The Basketball Diaries, um, The Departed, Shutter Island, Inception, Django Unchained, The Wolf of Wall Street. Um, those, uh, even Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I, is really not my favorite at all Quentin Tarantino movie, but even that movie, he deserved it over. So I just gave you a bunch of movies that he deserved. An <laughs> awesome. Gangs of New York, The Aviator, <laughs> like so many other movies that he like, should have Must won. I Go On? Must I Go On? It's like, I really can't because it's literally, I do feel that the Academy just threw him the award. They're like, oh my God, we hear you people. You're talking constantly every year about how, oh, laugh it up, you know, Leo's never going to get his Oscar. And it's like, all right, look, we gave him his freaking Oscar. And Leo's like, damn it, I had to sleep inside a horse for this role. I better get the damn Oscar. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, so I definitely think that they threw that at him. I can agree. I was just still like, I was like, this one? This one? Polly just gave me something that said, Man in the Iron Mask. I guess that's another role that apparently Leo deserved to win for. So I, I've heard of that one, but I haven't <laughs> heard, heard of it. But so there you go, guys. There you go. Leo deserved to win for a fuck ton more roles than the Revenant. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is just about how Leo should not have won for the revenant but he was robbed he was robbed but good job john fitzgerald from the revenant i'm gonna go to the next one try and look at my stuff again um you know when you're like looking at you're like all right all right what am i doing here what am i doing here (laughs) my problem is always i um i can't remember names very well and you have known me long enough to know this i forget names very easily i'm like yeah i love that movie with uh what's his name what's his face uh and then i have to remember their freaking names so i'm going to I'm trying to think like what you would do. I think I think I'm okay here. Um, did you ever watch? So I'm doing number seven, by the way. Um, did you yeah. ever watch the movie Warrior? No, I did not. I did not. Um, I'm hearing you talking and saying really good things about it, though. Yeah, I think it's a really good movie, and it's really slept on. I don't hear a lot of people talk about it, but um it's you know and it's been a long time since i've seen it so i'll just give kind of the abridged version of it you have tom hardy who plays tommy um and he is an mma fighter he's a former uh soldier who you find out later went a wall and is kind of wanted because he abandoned the military um he has a really strained relationship with his father who was an alcoholic for most of his life Um, And then he has a brother, which I forget the brother's name, but the brother is also kind of a boxer slash MMA fighter who is down on his luck, who needs money. Um, 
long story short, both of them and neither of them have talked to each other in years. Um, and they both kind of end up competing in the same tournament. And it's this very emotional movie that has Tom Hardy dealing with strained relationships from both sides, both with his brother and with his father, especially the scenes with his father. Um, a spoiler, I mean, it, again, it's like probably more than 10 years old, but, um, you know, his father relapses at some point and it's a really powerful scene um, with Tom Hardy and uh, the actor who played his father. It's just, it's a very emotional movie and you sit there and go, oh, it's about MMA. So it's going to be focused mostly on the fighting. The fighting is such a minimal part of the actual movie. It's really about these two brothers relationship that are so strained because I believe the whole thing is that um, Tom Hardy's character, Tommy stayed with the father while the other brother went with the mom. So Tommy feels this resentment of, I had to sit here with our alcoholic father, deal with him while you went and had this nice little life where now you're a teacher, you have a wife, you have children, you have this really great life. And, you know, because you didn't have to stay where it was ugly, pretty much. Yeah. Oh, Um, man. It's very, it's very emotional. I'll, give a spoiler where you know the brothers do end up uh you know reconciling because they have to face you know of course they're in the same tournament what do you think of course they're going to face each other at the end but it's really it's really it's really emotional because the brother doesn't want to fight he's like this is my brother i don't want to fight him um and the whole thing's really emotional as well because it gets televised which puts tommy in a bad light because the military is like, hey, isn't that dude who just abandoned his post a few years ago and we've been yeah. So it's super emotional. Um, it's a good movie. It also is a good, like, boxing MMA movie if you want stuff like that. But it's really, really emotional. It has a lot of very intense, hard-hitting scenes. And a younger Frank Grillo is in it. <laughs> We do love Frank Grillo. We do love Frank Grillo. So I'm just saying it has a lot of uh, thumbs up from me. No, I uh, I want to see it too, but I also don't feel like being emotionally attacked. I I don't want I don't want to be hurt, Tia. You would definitely be emotionally attacked by this uh, movie. It is very emotionally attacking. So yeah. <laughs> You know what you just reminded me of, by the way, with uh, this, with uh, Frank Grillo. What? So when I was visiting uh, Ansley, she, uh, we were watching like some compilations for TikTok videos, and there was like this dude that kind of looked like Frank Grillo, and she goes, "Man, that dude looks like he would hurt my feelings," and she goes, "That I would still go back for more." And all I could think of when you said Frank Grillo, I was like, "Like that's Frank Grillo. He hurt your feelings." Haven't there was this meme I saw, right? And it was so funny. It was of this girl who was like going out on a date with the Grim Reaper, and the caption was something like, "When you know he's going to break your heart, but you're also kind of curious to see where it goes." <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. 
Um, but yeah, so that's all I have to say about Tommy and Warrior. It's a good movie. It's a great Tom Hardy role that I don't hear anyone talk about, but I think he gave one of his best performances in it. So yeah, that's the number seven. Brittany, what's your number six? Let me see here, darling. Um, always, let's see here. I'm kind of looking. Let me see here. Uh, uh, I'm going to go with Legend, uh, where Tom Hardy ah! plays the <laughs> with, uh, what was it, uh, Ronald and uh, Reginald uh, Craig. That was on my Reginald list. Such, Reggie, <laughs> they called him Reggie in it. Reggie. And so, you know, my thing with it is, uh, by the way, I, you know, I really like that movie, but it has, like, not very great ratings on Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic. It's a 61 on Rotten Tomatoes and 55 on Metacritic. Dude, that movie was rough. And and I'm going to mostly just focus on the characters for right now. But, Mm -hmm. you know, we have Reggie Cray, who's like the more like adult, mature brother, you know, and he has a very unstable twin brother named Ronnie. But the thing is, is that they are, you know, basically becoming big like gangsters on the, uh, in London at the time, which now looking at it, it says it was in the 1960s. Uh, but mm. you know, just them running together, like even though you know Tom Hardy's playing both of them, it felt like it was two different people. Like it didn't feel like oh, a guy playing you know two guys. It felt like two brothers, um, kind of like almost reminiscent of uh, Lindsay Lohan back in the day with Parent Trap, <laughs> where you. I thought she was a twin forever. I did like, too. Forever. I did yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but my thing with it is, I think it really showed his acting chops. Where you know you almost do question yourself of like, man, I feel like they're really standing right next to each other. And the thing was, is like they are very opposite of one another, uh, to the point where you didn't feel like it wasn't like, oh, I just have to change my personality slightly. It's like, no, we're going to have to do an entire, like, you know, overhaul to get across the other uh, brother. But I don't know. The movie was very intense. I will say that whenever Reggie, like, beats his wife or his girlfriend at the time and just, like, the sheer abuse the family put that one girl through always stresses me out and makes me sick. It's the reason I haven't rewatched the movie. Uh, fun fact, that's the same actress who plays Laura Moon from American Gods, um, Miss Emily Browning. That's Laura. <laughs> Why does she always get in hurt movies? I know. Um, Why are you baby? Are you okay? Do you need <laughs> help? Uh, think twice if you need me to call someone. You th- I was going to take the next, the next spot I did was going to be the Cray twins. So (laughs) I love this movie. Um, What you calls it. So yeah, fun fact for everyone um, in the movie legend, Tom Hardy plays the Cray twins, as Brittany said, who were real life um, gangsters. And um, originally the movie wasn't going to have Tom Hardy play both. Right. They wanted Tom Hardy to play Reggie, but he really wanted to play Ronnie. So he was like, I'll play Reggie if you allow me to play Ronnie. And I'm like, I love that they let him do that. <laughs> I love that they let well, him do that. Like, I think it goes to show the confidence they had in him to do it. 
Um, I, as you said, Brittany, I mean, you summed everything up so perfectly. It really felt like he was, it really felt like two different actors playing these two different characters. It did not feel as if this was just one person and such like that. Um, Reggie is supposed to be the good looking suave brother who seemingly is the sane one, but behind closed doors, he's so horrifically abusive to his wife. Um, you know, both uh, physically and verbally and emotionally, right? To the point where it dry- was hard to watch. It was extremely hard to watch, and it's to the point. And again, I guess spoiler: it's also based on true story, so you can look it up on Wikipedia. Um, it drives her to take her own life because of how bad he is. And then you have Ronnie, who's supposed to be the loose cannon. He's in psych wards, and he's you know not. Um, whatchamacallit said he's not composing himself and he says some really like crazy things but it's kind of one of those things didn't i say in last week's podcast i was like i appreciate people who wear their craziness on their sleeve because you at least know who they are it's someone like reggie that you think is one way and they're another way but ronnie's like i am who i am um and there's that one point where he even tells the wife where he was just like you should leave or something like that like even he knows like what are you doing here just yeah. go <laughs> um which is so bad because it's like he was such a dick to her and that's how you knew like when it was that bad like you know where even he's saying go even when he was the one being so like verbally abusive to her yeah i mean it was one of those things where they never liked her because you know she came from pretty much they she could never live up to what they wanted her to be because she but then you know they were gangsters and her mother hated that she got married to reggie because she's like i don't want my daughter to be married to a gangster um so you know there was that i mean I can see sort of where people have problems with this movie because it doesn't always do the best in. So, okay. Even though we just said that it feels like two different people playing two different characters, they don't do the best job of splicing the two in the same scene with each other. And there's scenes where the two are fighting each other, where it's so obvious that it's like a stand in trying to play Tom Hardy like the hands at some point like really give it away um where you're like what is this and i'm gonna compare it to there was a show that just came out last year that was phenomenal and mark ruffalo just won an award for it and it was um oh jesus christ oh god what the hell was it called i really liked it but it had like a oh i know this much is true um where mark ruffalo plays two different people like he plays brothers and it's the same situation where you would think it's two different actors, but it was so believable when they were in the same scene with each other. Like it didn't look like a green screen. It it was so effing eerie how believable it looked. Right. So I didn't get that all the time with legend. There were some times where I was like, all right, this looks like you just spliced the two in the same scene with each other, which I know obviously they did, but you know, you know what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But no, Legend I, I agree with that. Legend Legend is great. The Cray twins. Um, did you know that that's uh that one song where the guy's like, That shit cray? 
if you look at the lyrics, it's spelled with a K because it's supposed to be a nod to the Cray twins. And I'm like, that Cray. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Cray. Um, or in the words of Tia, that's mad Cray. Oh my God. Don't make fun of me and my Yonkers idioms. No, no. I'm not making fun of it. I love it. Because you want to know why? I've started saying mad at work. Hey. I said something was mad stupid the other day, and they looked at me like I was fucking crazy. <laughs> so I am not making fun of you. I'm just letting you know I like it. I constantly send Brittany um, translations of Yonkers speak. If you are say something like, yo, you good? Or something's brick outside, or I sent her constantly all the time because, as much as say I try to speak corporate because I've been in a lot of corporate situations, you can't take the Yonkers out of the girl. There's a certain <laughs> there's certain uh, words and speech that I have acquired through my years of living in Yonkers, and I guess you know can't you can't remove it. But just like listen, Brittany, who's from the South, could be brought up here and live here for twenty years, and I bet you she'd still say y'all. I would probably say y'all for it. I will say, you know, I've gotten a little more of an accent again, having, um, especially one thing I saw that drew it more out was playing uh, those games where I do a really silly, like, I'm real Southern kind of voice. And it like started <laughs> to meld my mouth back into like pronouncing things a certain way. But the uh, thing was, uh, I will yeah. say, when I went to New York, like, I was holding a conversation with a lady, and she was like, oh, you're going back home to Yonkers. Not saying I sound like I was from the North, but just like, you know, there wasn't much, like, anything until I said, y'all. And the lady <laughs> said, are you from Texas? And I was like, no, well, close enough. Yeah, sure. I'm from Texas. Can I tell you a quick scene? And yes, I'm going to put the disclaimer out right now. It's from Sex and City. I don't care. All right? But it reminds me of this so much. So quick backstory, right? I know. It's like, what does this have anything to do with Tom Hardy? But I have to say it really quick, okay? So there, uh, there's at some point in Sex and the City where the main character, Carrie, is dating this guy, and his last name is Burger. So you only, I don't even remember what his first name was because he's Burger, right? And Burger. And Berger is a fellow writer, and he just had this book published, and he gives it to Carrie, because Carrie's a writer as well, and he wants her to read it and tell him, like, what she thought. And she loves it. She says that she read it in one day. It was perfect. She loved everything. And she's trying to tease him and say the one thing that's unrealistic is that you have this woman who's supposed to be from New York City, born and raised very fashionable living in the upper like east side and you have her going out wearing a scrunchie and he's like and he's like what's wrong with wearing a scrunchie she's like no person who's actually from new york city would be caught dead outside wearing a scrunchie he's like you wear a scrunchie she's like yeah at home to like wash my face she's like i wouldn't go out to a bar like that so it's kind of a sore subject for him because he you find out he's like a fucking loser who has like zero confidence in himself i I don't mean to say that it's just one of those people like characters that like 
has to be moody about someone else's success because they're jealous that they're not as successful. I'm sorry. If you watch Sex and City, you know, Burger's a fucking loser. But anyway, there's at some point where the two of them are out at this really chic restaurant and they're at the bar area and they're waiting and there's this woman there. And again, they're in a really nice fucking bar, right? And she's wearing a scrunchie. And Burger goes, look, see, a very well-dressed woman um, in a very, you know, classy, fancy uh, restaurant in New York City. And she's wearing a scrunchie. And Carrie's like, I ain't fucking going down without swinging. And so she goes to the woman and she taps her on the shoulder. And she's like, excuse me, ma'am. I just was wondering, what part of New York City are you from? And the woman's like, oh, my God, you think I'm from New York City? She's like, I'm from Georgia. She's like, oh, you made my night. (laughs) Uh, You know, what's funny about that is that, you know, scrunchies are starting to become really big again. I'm like, I wonder if a well-dressed, like, you know, lady (laughs) was wearing scrunchie. I thought about that. So anyway, I'm sorry that that was long-winded, but it just always reminds me of that, where it's like, you try and prove, it's like, okay, yeah, she's in New York City, but she's not from New York City. <laughs> yeah. I love that the lady got so excited, because that would be me. I'd be like, really? <laughs> Except knowing you fucking New Yorker, you'd be like, if somebody said, are you from the South? You'd be like, oh, how dare you? How dare you? My accent gives me away. I was just talking the other day how there was one time I was down in Arkansas with you and we were at stage and I think I was checking out and the woman instantly was like, oh, so what part of the Northeast are you from? And I'm like, <laughs> like lady, you got me pegged. You can't call me out like this. <laughs> oh my God. But I'm sorry. That was such a random story. Um, I apologize. But yes. Uh, the Cray Twins legend number six. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. I'm going to hit number five. God, you really threw me off by that. I was like, damn it. <laughs> that was going to be my pick. Um, I'm sorry. I'm the worst. You are, but it's okay. Um, uh, da, 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 da. I'm actually going to pick uh, something that we were talking about at the beginning of the show, and I'm going to do Eddie Brock from Venom. <laughs> yeah. I knew it. I mean, listen, I said earlier that I really was pleasantly surprised with how much I enjoyed Venom. And the only real thing that I have against Tom Hardy's performance in this movie is <laughs> he tried to do a Brooklyn accent and he failed miserably at it. Oh, <laughs> like, my God. We love I, I guess you could know, Miss uh, New York. Yeah, it was, um, but calls it. I still like him as Eddie Brock because, first of all, I like the fact that we're get, we got Tom Hardy again in a superhero movie, and he's not playing the villain this time. But I really enjoy his uh, characterization of Eddie, who is a journalist who is supposed to be from Brooklyn, but now living in San Francisco. And he is this, you know, like really well-known journalist who goes like too far sometimes, like for the story. And in the movie, when he snoops too much, he gets obviously... Uh, then 
you know, he gets injected with venom and his whole life turns around and blah, blah. And I think Tom Hardy plays it great because you don't expect him to play this character who is just totally uncomfortable for most of the movie. And he is. He's, like, completely uncomfortable because he has literally an alien symbiote inside of him trying to, like, (laughs) I guess just chill. (laughs) He just seems tired. Like, when I see Eclipse, he just seems tired. He is tired, like, all the time. But it's so funny. So I really like his character a lot in it. Um, I enjoy just... I enjoyed his character in general in Venom and I like the fight scenes I like the the story of his I like even his romantic story with his like ex and shit like that it's just an enjoyable uh role and apparently he took it because his kid really wanted him to take it like at first he was kind of like oh do I want to be in another comic book movie and his kid was like you have to be Venom like what's wrong with you I forget that he has kids. I do too sometimes. Um, Go ahead, sorry. I think it's really private, though, so I guess that would make sense. Tom Hardy's definitely one of those people who chooses to keep his private life private, which, I mean, I have to totally respect, you know? Um, Which McCall's it. But, yeah, did you know, by the way, so not only does he play Eddie in the movie, but he does also voice Venom. Which is really funny because (laughs) I think that's hilarious personally because Venom's like (laughs) Yeah, like his voice throughout like when I was watching the trailer I was just like I was like That's exactly his (laughs) He's very guttural (laughs) Have you ever watched the movie? I think it was called House Bunny with Anna Faris What'd you say? Did you ever watch the movie that came out years ago? It was called House Bunny with Anna Faris. Um, oh, that, why does that sound so familiar? Let me look it up. You explain, I'll look it up. I mean, it's just one of those, like, silly movies, but there's a scene, there's several scenes in it where the main character, played by Anna Faris, like, the way she remembers people's names is by repeating it in a voice like that. So if we met and you're like, my name's Brittany, and it'd be like, Brittany. And it's like, oh, oh that, that's just how. <laughs> oh, yeah, so she does that in the movie where she's like, Allison. And so whenever Venom talks, it just reminds me of that. I, um, I, I just, I, I always love, it makes me think of Batman where he's like, I'm the Batman. I'm the Batman. <laughs> I'm the Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, I, we, um, we were definitely taking boss. jabs at DC when I was on the Kind of Nerdy Girls podcast. <laughs> you, well, it's funny you say that because I was riding with my boss, who's the IT director at the college, right? Mm-hmm. And there was a lady, uh, one of the professors, she was jogging, and her name is Martha. And as we go by, I went, Martha! Martha! <laughs> that fucking movie was terrible. <laughs> I know, and yet I I could go on forever with my shitty talk about that. But anyway, yeah, I don't know. There's something about the character um, Eddie Brock. I just think that it's a good character, and I really am happy that Tom Hardy is doing it. And it's just, like, 
I don't know. I can't really describe it, but if you watch the movie, it seems almost so unlike Tom Hardy, but he plays it really well. It's not one. It's not one of those things where you're like, oh, this was a bad casting, and they should have casted someone else. It's like, no, he's almost perfectly for this role, but almost imperfectly for it. Because like, you saw Spider Man Three, right? The yeah. bad one, the emo, the uh, emo Spider Man. Like, I mean, like, feel sick to my stomach. But you remember that Venom was in it, so you had like Topher Great, Topher Grace, I think, the guy from that '70s show, right? He was playing Eddie Brock, and he's kind of like you know a more slender guy, a little nerdier, and he's playing this like hard-hitting journalist. And then you have Tom Hardy, who is bigger and he looks like he should be playing a more physical role like a bane right but yet he's playing this like you know uh truth-seeking journalist and all that and you kind of like oh i would never think of tom hardy for a role like that and i think that's kind of why it's perfect because it's it's weird (laughs) i think another thing is is that you know, Venom, I was always like, oh, he's a villain, but I think he's more of just like an anti-hero, right? He's more like Deadpool. And so, you know, it's interesting that they did go full villain with, uh, what, what's his human name again? Eddie, Eddie Brock. Eddie Brock. Eddie Brock, it's like, he wasn't really considered a villain in the comics. I don't believe, I think in a lot of cases he was, but in a lot of cases he wasn't. You know, he he was more of an anti-hero more than anything. Um, But it's interesting. Spider-Man 3 was like, yeah, we're going to make him crazy. We're going to make him, like, want revenge. And he wants to... And it's like, I felt like, you know, the Venom movie is more accurate to his character. Like, at least the comic book representation. No, that's actually a really good thing that you pointed out. Uh, Spider-Man 3 did go a very villain route, whereas... Venom does more often fall into the anti-hero um, thing. He's very, he's like the Punisher, you know? He very much falls into, like, the Punisher category. Um, certainly in the beginning of the first Venom, right? You'll have uh, Venom who's like, oh, I'm, I hate your race, and I'm here, and I'm gonna kill you, and I'm gonna eat people. And then, like, ten minutes later, he's like, I don't know, Eddie, I kind of like you. You're kind of like me. We're both losers. <laughs> Man, imagine having something inside of you that just, like, shits on you all day. Well, yeah, it, it's so funny because it's, like, in at least in the movie, right, um, they make it seem as if, like, Venom was not very well liked amongst his race and he's like i was a loser on my planet he was like and you're a loser here so i kind of like you and so at the end of the movie like when they finally learn to say like coexist together eddie's like all right so no eating people unless they're bad people and he's like but don't eat people and eddie's and venom's like fine I like how he's just basically like a giant toddler. <laughs> he's just a giant toddler that Eddie has to deal with that lives inside of him. Um, it's just great. I love it. I can't wait for the second one. Um, I was like, I gotta put this down just because I cannot wait for the second one. Um, and the first one was good. I think it gets a lot of hate, 
but I think that it shouldn't. I think that you should definitely watch the first Venom because uh, it's a pretty decent movie. It's not, listen, it's not like MCU fantastic, right? But I think that it's a pretty promising movie. And I got to tell you, it's one of my favorite Stan Lee cameos um, in the first Venom. So, yeah. Oh, I didn't know he was in it. Yeah, he was in, because it's Marvel, you know, so even though it's not under the Marvel Cinematic Universe umbrella, it's still a Marvel character, so he appears in it, and it's one of my favorite cameos, like, ever. I love that they started, when they, you know, did the Stanley cameo, it's sad that, you know, we won't have any more, but it was, like, awesome in that way. Oh my god, it was the best. And then someone pointed out that they found in the trailer that they're in the trailer for the second Venom, that there's a magazine that has Stanley's face on it. And I was like, oh, they're keeping with it. I love this. I know. I am glad that they did that. Like, uh, like in Spider-Man uh, Away From Home. Far From Home? <laughs> Far From Home. Sorry. My brain is tired, Tia. Leave me alone. No, I get it. I get it. Um, when did What did they do in Far Far From Home? I, forgot. I thought they had it like his uh, like on the side of the building like graffiti oh no that, like that. that was uh tony stark but i thought they did it with him too on they something. might they might have i'm just forgetting i mean i would have to think that they had to do some sort of like uh nod to him because that was i believe the first mcu movie without a cameo of his I'm trying to see, um, I'm going to see if I can find it real quick. Okay, Uh, yeah. Um, Because I feel like I saw him somewhere. Oh, no, they didn't put him in Far From Home. I thought it was in Far From Home, though. The last cameo that Stanley did was in Endgame. Um, But he passed away right before Captain Marvel. Um, so that's why if you went and saw Captain Marvel, and I think even it's still like this if you watch it on Disney+, Plus, you know how they do the beginning uh, thing is all the comic books shuffling in and it's all the scenes from the MCU? Um, in Captain Marvel, that is replaced by a bunch of clips of all of Stanley's cameos. You know, um... I think that's what I'm looking at is I thought I saw him like something and maybe I'm just thinking of something else but um they I think they said that they they ended with Endgame because it felt right to end it at Endgame because you know Endgame yeah no absolutely I I agree with that you know um it's just I remember years ago when Stanley like you know he's uh, I think he was 95 when he passed away. But year, a few years before that, they had reported that apparently Stanley had recorded his cameos for like five movies that hadn't even come out yet because you know just to get it out there. So we miss Stanley. It doesn't feel the same without his cameos. Someone said that uh, Deadpool should kind of replace that as a cameo. I don't know why, but it kind of feels very Deadpoolish. <laughs> yes, I would love that. I would I would be all about that because you gotta think about it. It's like um, you know, Deadpool's kind of the black sheep of the family. <laughs> <laughs> and just to have him just like appear even for two seconds would just kind of be hilarious. But um right. 
let's get back on track with our top 10. So uh, number five is Eddie Brock from Venom. Uh, Brittany, what's your number four? Um, I think I'm going to go with uh, Mad Max. Yes. Yes. I, I'm sorry if it was on your list. I, I'm starting to get at the end. It's like there's a lot of great Tom Hardy roles, but mine are so limited to the ones that we have spoken about that I'm like, I must keep it. Uh, but Mad Max was good. I liked his character in it, and I really liked the movie. I, I liked his relationship with, uh, what was her name? Even though the actors didn't get along on that uh, film, apparently. Uh, yeah, I remember hearing that and I was like I think they're cool now I think they said while filming they kind of got agitated with each other but they're they hold no resentment towards each other now they're fine um Charlize Theron oh but what is she who does she play Furiosa what'd you say Furiosa Furiosa yeah um and I wonder if it was because you know when you start playing these characters who do have like a constant like um kind of a push pull kind of relationship and you know having two basically main characters at the time i'm sure it could be hard but i like that we did kind of see another strong silent kind of version of tom hardy in it and that's why this one's more brief because you know he expressed a lot of emotion without saying much his actions spoke a lot larger because sorry louder because you know he's trying to save these women even though he doesn't i think in the he's like done with it you know because he's just trying to survive but i don't know i found the movie like it sticks out in my head for a movie where say mad max isn't so uh like front and center the entire time yeah, I really loved Mad Max Fury Road. Um, I thought Tom Hardy did a fantastic job in this very silent uh, character that you could still tell what his, say, convictions were and who he was. I loved his fighting. Those scenes, like the scenes where he's fighting Furiosa and shit are just so fucking good. I love, like, it's just like, didn't you tell he had this, like, it was called Fury Road, and he had this very, like, furious face on the whole time. I loved it. I was just like, could you imagine doing the filming there? That's so hot. <laughs> I, oh my god. But yeah, I mean, Mad Max, it's funny, and I've heard people say this, where they're like, it's called Mad Max, and Max isn't the focal point, but I kind of like that about it, because, I don't know, Mad Max, to me, Fury Road is, like, some of the best piece of like feminist work i'm gonna just put that out there and say that i thought it was fucking phenomenal the whole entire story of all furiosa and all of the wives just running and like reclaiming their individuality and their freedom i don't care i love that shit and i love tom hardy being along for the ride um one of my favorite scenes is where Furiosa literally uses his shoulder as a gun rest. I don't know if you remember that. Wait, what he uh Yes I do, yes I do. Yeah, to me I'm like that's one of the best scenes in the movie because he he's so casual about it. He's like, Oh yeah, cool, this like gun is literally resting right next to my ear. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine, it's totally not gonna deafen me, it's cool. 
you know, as someone who like has shot off guns before and has been in a gun range, I can't imagine how loud that would be. <laughs> right? He's like, maybe that's why he's so quiet. He's like, I've had too many gunshots near my head and now I just kind of vibe. <laughs> he can't hear anything. That's the secret to it. That's why yeah. he just doesn't talk. Smiling on. on. <laughs> um, I agree. I mean, listen, there's say not a whole lot to say about this character um just that i really enjoyed him being a part of this franchise i loved the look of him i loved his characterization um i liked how he it felt and it's so funny that Charlize Theron and Tom Hardy were so agitated with each other during the filming because i felt that they were such a great team uh you know and I guess that's really great that they could kind of put aside all of that to create something really good because at no point did I feel like the two of them didn't have on-screen chemistry. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. So Mad Max is awesome. Um, definitely one of Tom Hardy's more iconic roles. I agree with you, Brittany. 100%. Um, I'm going to hit number three in the spirit of just moving things along. <sighs> I don't know who to put because I feel like I kind of know who your number two Give me the first letter of your number two. I can find something else if no, it's... I, I want to I know. It's going to start with a B. Okay, it's going to start with a B. Okay, so my number three, um, so I know how to then work uh what my number one is going to be so my number three is going to be um james from taboo because oh my god i didn't hear this oh my god i'm so mad at myself holy shit i just myself and I've watched every episode. I've obsessed with it. Me and Aaron have often talked. Sorry to interrupt. But me and Aaron often were like, is the new season coming out yet? Like, when's that happening? And I'm just like, I didn't even think of it. Oh, my God. Okay, continue. You know what? I want you to actually go um, onto it. And we can share this one together. James from Taboo. Yes, it's like. Tom Hardy, it's been years, because he's also what, like the executive producer and stuff? It's like, where's the new season? Come on. Oh my god, it's so good, because it's like, you have James, who's a, as, assumed to be dead, and it's like, you know, you have him basically coming back from the dead. It's very like, old Victorian, you know, like, very like, um, the, oh, the, what's it called again? The trading company, the tea. Oh, what was it called? Isn't it like the Indian Trading Company or something like that? Yeah, but I thought it was like the East Indian Trading Company or something like that. You could be but, right. But, you know, it, it, they were dealing with tea. You know, it's like they were very, like, large at this point. Like, most things being, you know, the route throughout where they were going was very, like, profitable for them to the point where they were, like, becoming on par with the king. And it's like, you know, just James just pop up out of nowhere, you know, looking for a freaking deed for uh, this piece of land that will allow him, you know, which I'm not going to go fully into because, you know, spoiler alert. 
but it's like he's so intense very like and you find out you know i think it's like his mother was native american and his like his mother was given to his father as like you know part of a trade you know trading guns and all that stuff and beads and you know and got this deed of land plus a wife out of it and you know they talk all the time like like, oh the mother was crazy the mother was crazy all this stuff and it's like they almost kind of are like oh yeah pass the sickness on to james and then you have the um spoiler alert james is fucking his sister they're not even (laughs) i think i think they're half siblings they're half siblings better but they're half siblings. <laughs> it's kind of the new uh, taboo, you know. And they're like, "Oh yeah, they're step siblings." Well, in this, they're half siblings, so they took it a step further. Uh, they're they're uh, not very... they're not full on Jamie and Cersei Lannister, but they're like halfway there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're halfway there basically, and it's like his sister has an abusive husband who's like desperately trying to get her pregnant, and he's like jealous of you know, James coming back into the picture, because I think there's, like, a part of him, like, later on, yeah, he knows and everything, but there's a part that's, like, like, very jealous of, like, oh, there's another man in her life, but it's, like, James is so, it's very almost, like, a more modern version, well, not even a more modern version, it would be at the same time point of time as say, like, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, just more on land. Yeah, um, what you calls it? <laughs> you know what's so funny? It's like, you hear the name of the show, and you're like, oh, Taboo. And you get caught up in the whole James being this very, like, dark character, and it's uh, takes place in Victorian era, and he's trying to get his land back, and, you know, you got the whole thing with the trading company, that you don't realize that the whole, like, name of the series the whole theme is that he's in love with his sister and it's like oh that's why it's called taboo (laughs) because he's like doing naughty things with his sister (laughs) yeah it's like oh yeah this is just as bad as we thought it was (laughs) but um what you calls it tom hardy plays this character so well i and I know your next pick will go into this, but like James is such a dangerous character. And I think one of the most dangerous characters that Tom Hardy has ever played because the sheer force of him. And I mean, when he stares at you and you feel as if this man has actually no soul at all um, when he plays and it's like, it's just so almost inhuman to a degree it's so like dark and it the whole show gives you chills the entire time but Tom Hardy's so great in this role and it's one of his best and like it stands out the most really in his filmography and I think that's because he mostly created this like it was him Stephen Knight and Tom Hardy's father who um created the show so i think that he it wasn't one of those things where he was having to you know adjust the character through someone else's writing it was like he literally made the character for him to play so it's like he knew already what kind of character he wanted to play in this pretty awesome though 
It is awesome. Um, so yeah, James uh, is going to be our number three pick. Brittany, drum roll for what your number two is because I already know what it's going to be. But it is one of the best Tom Hardy. I already know it is. It's one of the best Tom Hardy roles. It's the Tom Hardy role that put Tom Hardy on the map for mainstream public. So please take it away. You know, I'm gonna I have to go with Bane. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with Bane. I think like um, he was so terrified. I remember going to the movies to see it, like uh, the Batman movie, and because I always get them mixed up. It's Dark Knight Rises, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, in that situation, it's like I remember Ansley went with me and she was horrified the entire movie. She did not want to finish the movie. Like, it fucked her up. She did not like it. And I knew it was going to be bad when, like, Bane, like, looks up and Bane is what was freaking her the fuck out. And with the plane crash scene at the beginning, I was like, Bane's a bad motherfucker. And the voice he did for the is so iconic. Okay. People st- still try to do the fucking Bane voice. <laughs> like, um, I was gonna jokingly did it, and then I like yeeted out of the attempt. So if I sounded weird, you you know why it wasn't the phone. It was me being stupid. Um, but, you know the mask. Everybody wanted to wear the mask, and I remember Tom Hardy had a fucking tan line on his face from the mask. Uh, from having worn it so much and while in the sun and you know he played a very powerful character not in the sense of like oh you know a lot of times when we see um very large characters they don't often portray them as intelligent and it's like this dude was just as smart as batman like for real though i think his worst thing was leaving batman alive when he broke his back if he had killed him, it would have been all done for. So it's kind of like, in this point, is he true? Was he beaten by Batman, or was he beaten by his own bad mistakes? But I don't know. I just, I really like, I think it's so fascinating. And his relationship with, uh, fucking, what's her name? Uh, Talia? Yeah, Talia I hate her. Uh, in in reality, you can you can say that Bane died because he was simping over Talia. <laughs> yeah, she's like basically like die for me, <laughs> right? It's like bitch. Um, I love Bane. Like I so I love the Christopher Nolan um, trilogy. Right, Batman Begins, great. The Dark Knight. Great. So, you know, when unfortunately Heath Ledger passed away, it's, you know, you sat there and said, like, wow, who can live up to that performance in the third one? And I remember at the time, right, that a lot of people were saying, oh, well, why not have the villain of the third one be the Riddler? Because he's kind of similar. He can be kind of similar to the Joker, right? And I think Christopher Nolan had said that, you know, in the first and second one, he always had a villain that was very cunning and could match Batman on a intellectual level, but that he wanted someone who could match Batman on a physical level. Hence where yeah. you get Bane, which, as you said, though, Bane was very intelligent. He matched Batman on both levels. Um, I know. I, all this out. I know that people um 
didn't necessarily like that Bane wasn't at more comic book accurate, but Christopher Nolan already established that he was making a very practical world and having a character that had, say, serum injected to, into him to make him bigger every time he wanted to fight wasn't necessarily very practical in Christopher Nolan's world. So I thought that they did a pretty good job in that direction. I just loved him. Like, from the moment you met Bane on the plane where he's like, what What did he say? He was like, if you take it off, there will be pain. And he's like, you look like a tough guy. And Bane's like, for you. <laughs> and it's like... I gave me shivers on that. I was like, oh, no. My thing that gave me shivers in that scene is when they're getting off the plane and the one guy goes to go with him and Bane's like, they're, they'll be looking for people in the wreckage. And the guy like just sits back down and you sit there and it's like, oh, he just fully told that guy that someone has to die. And the guy was just like, okay. And <laughs> you sit there and you go, oh, shit. <laughs> shit. They're, they're, they're really committed to this whole thing. Um, Bane was so he has so many great lines I went back and rewatched The Dark Knight Rises probably like last year and when they go to the stock exchange and the one guy's like um, you know there's no money here you're not going to rob anyone and he's pretty much like what do you think all your, you guys are doing pretty much like so many great lines and I always remember uh, you know Ben Mendelsohn is in the movie as John Daggett and he's like you know telling him like I hired you I gave you money I brought you in and when Bane just puts his hand on his shoulder and he's like you think this gives you power and I'm like oh oh but my thing is like when he just like he doesn't put it on him hard no he just gently rests it like just to show like so good yeah there's so many iconic lines and when he's beating up batman and he breaks his back and you're like fuck um that oh bane was so good i loved it i loved everything about it i love that he ad-libbed that little line about the kids singing where he's like what a beautiful voice i can't do the voice either i'm just trying (laughs) no i love it that scene was like tragic you know you know they never like specifically say it but you're like that's a lot of children death in that movie in the stands with everything (laughs) caving in where the child was in the middle (laughs) listen bane was gonna kill everyone because that's the thing he tells everyone that he's gonna close them off and they're all gonna like be there for like a few months and shit like that but Bane never has any intention of letting anyone live or get off the island. He's going to kill them. He just wants everyone to kind of almost have that false hope. Um, And yeah, his whole thing was that he was doing it for Talia, who wanted revenge um, for her father's death uh, by Batman's hands. And it's like, in reality, um, yeah, no, Bane, Bane was a simp for and and remember she likes when she said like you have to stay here or something and he's just like looking at her like and that's another thing is that um christopher nolan hired tom hardy because he said 
you know, the mask is going to cover someone's face most of the movie. So you need someone who can portray emotion with their eyes. And he's like, I don't know anyone better at doing that than Tom Hardy. And I'm like, that's amazing. Because Tom Hardy wasn't even that big at that point. So for him to be like, I know who this guy is. And I know that he can do this. It's just amazing. Oh, I loved it. And I, like I said, you know, it's like the voice was great. Everything just made it up perfect. Can I tell you one last thing? I, lo- I love fun facts about these movies. I think they're such great movies. There's an interview where they're interviewing Tom Hardy. And he got so happy when he said the first day on set when Chris, uh, Christian Bale came out as Batman in the costume. And he's like, he's like, I was so giddy. That's Batman. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> and it's like, you know, Christian Bale is known as being a method actor. So he probably was like, like, I'm going to fuck this dude up. <laughs> and like, Tom Hardy's like, yes, please fuck me up. Yeah, right? Fight me. <laughs> Fight me. Fight me. Yeah, Bane is great. I love it. It's such an iconic role of Tom Hardy's. I think it's amazing. Um, I don't care that it's not comic book accurate. I don't give a shit. It's such a great performance. Um, and yeah, I, can I tell you the year of that going to Comic Con? <laughs> everyone was dressed up as Bane. Uh, yeah, I know. I got you. I got you because I could. Uh, what came out right before uh, we went and saw Suicide Squad together? And I think that was a Comic Con. And I think like everyone was Harley's too. Oh yeah, no. The first of all, let me tell you that Harley was always popular at New York Comic Con, even before Suicide Squad came out. Because I attended a few before that. Um, but the year the Suicide Squad came out, everyone was that version of Harley. You know, before then, it was more of the Batman the Animated Series version or the Arkham Games version of Harley. But once that movie came out, then everyone was dressed like that version of Harley. Um, oh, so, shit. Yeah. But yeah, so Bane, great. We are down to our number one spot. Um, as always, you know, I got to go through everything before we get to the number one. And we have Forrest from Lawless, Bronson from Bronson, <laughs> John Fitzgerald from The Revenant, Tommy from Warrior, Ronnie and Reggie Cray from Legend, Eddie Brock from Venom, Max from Mad Max, James from Taboo, Bane from The Dark Knight Rises. And I'm surprised, Brittany, that you didn't take this one, but I'm taking it. And it's going to be Alfie Solomon from Peaky Blinders. Bro, what about all these fucking ones? I was trying to refresh my memory. Oh my god. I want to go throw myself off a bridge. <laughs> Holy shit. You gotta go on Wikipedia and just scroll. That's what I do. <laughs> Dude, I'm just depressed now. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh... <laughs> You fucker, you're so giddy about it too. You're so giddy about it too, you monster. You're, don't, don't you, do not let Tia fool you. You hear that laugh? You like evil, evil laugh? Yeah, that's, that's her true nature. That's, that's the laugh. I know she's actually pretty fucking amused with herself, you fucker. I am very amused. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God>. so, so. 
So Tom Hardy <laughs> has been in a lot of movies. And admittedly, I haven't seen him in a lot of TV shows, obviously Taboo. But um, Peaky Blinders, to me, is like one of the best roles of Tom Hardy. I remember being so ecstatic when I heard that Tom Hardy was going to be in Peaky Blinders. And I also love, so Killian Murphy and Tom Hardy have been in a ton of projects together, like a ton. And so the fact that they were like reunited in this show is so cool. So, you know, Peaky Blinders, you can check it out on Netflix. It's fantastic. Um, you know, stars Killian Murphy, yada, yada, yada. You have the first season. First season's good. Second season, uh, Killian's character, Tommy, is trying to expand. And he meets this guy, Alfie, played by Tom Hardy, who is fucking amazing. This character is such a um, a wild card. You never know where Alfie's mindset is going to be. He could be just joking around and then suddenly pointing his gun at you. Um, and then he could act as if he's giving you real advice and then he's betraying you. I mean, season two alone was such a wild journey where you had freaking his character teaming up with Tommy, then betraying Tommy, almost killing Tommy's brother, Arthur, then being on his side. And it's like, what? And you thought that the character was just going to be a one season and done character. No, he comes back for season three. He comes back in season four. And what's great about it is, again, his character is so... um. <sighs> You never know where he's going to be. Uh, he, uh, whatchamacallit, it, there's this one scene, I believe it's in the third season, right? Where they're meeting with some Russians who are speaking Russian. They're uh, being very disrespectful about Alfie because Alfie's character is Jewish. So they're being very ugly about him, right? And then Tom Hardy's character, Alfie, just turns around and like quips back at them in Russian. And it's like, oh, I knew exactly what you guys were saying this whole time. Uh, it's He's so talented. It's so fucking phenomenal. I love his character so much. Season four was nuts. You watched season four, right? You saw what that end result was. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Season four. Season, season four, four is the one with Luca in it, the Italian played by Luca's Adrian. So Brody. good. So That's another good. great character. Another great character, but in the fourth season, spoiler alert, but it did come out. I'm going to keep saying this. It came out a few years ago, so, you know, deal with it. Um, what you call it? Freaking Tom Hardy's character gets shot by Tommy, and you think that he's dead, and he's not. He pops back up in season five, so it's like, I love this character so much. I know you love this character so much, Brittany, so I'll let you uh, say a few syllables. I was going to say, I love Alfie because for me, it was like, he just came out of nowhere, and he's so aggressive, so funny, but so serious of Essex, but it's also like he's funny, like, well, you know, like, with uh, with Arthur, nearly kills him, and he's like, oh, no hurt feelings, right? <laughs> like, it's like, you fucker, like, and, you know, giving him shit when he finally gets, you know, very, reli- when Arthur finally gets very religious, and I don't know, Alfie was just so funny, because he wasn't like I'm trying to think of the word. When he first came in, he wasn't what I expected. He was very like, yes, 
she was like hiring all these people in that one scene but then the next he's like you better stay away from our women you know like like just instant flip instant flip like where he was just fucking pissed one point and then calm talking and almost cheery and others and i like the voice that he gave him i really enjoy alfie's voice and kind of the what his speaking pattern and that's one thing i noticed about tom hardy is he does like it's almost like fun to hear them talk yeah, no, it's really great what he crafted with Alfie because it's not how he speaks as any other character. And what I particularly like about Alfie is that, you know, you have Tommy who is very serious and very, um, you know, war-torn. and But he's, you know, he has his convictions as well. But it's almost like even though he's been in this in this world for a long time doing what he does it still feels as if Alfie has some sort of seniority over him because he still sometimes is like Tommy you don't know what you're getting into like you're being you know you need to simmer down now and there's even a scene that I really like between them where Alfie uh does something in season three I think where he or season four I can't remember which season it is but he kind of like it's kind of another betrayal, right? And Tommy's kind of getting on him. And, uh, oh, I think something happened to his, like, kid or something like that. And Tommy, you know, yells at him. And Alfie's like, how could you get upset? How many fathers have you executed? How many, you know, mothers and kids and this and that have you left without loved ones? He's like, how dare you get on me when you've done equally as horrible shit you know and they kind of have this big explosive and then Alfie kind of turns around and he's like I'm sorry I actually didn't know it had something to do with your kid like I am sorry about that and it's like it's just such a good dynamic between the two of them it's funny is if it had been anyone else Tommy would have tried to kill him but in that scene it was like okay they kind of were like bygone bygones like because you could tell they were actually truly friends yeah and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the two actors have had a lot of interactions with each other because I'm I'm trying to think of all the things they've been in together they were in Inception together they were in the Dark Knight Rises together, they were in Dunkirk together, and now they're in Peaky Blinders together, so they've done a lot of things together. <laughs> like, yeah, like, um, it's freaking uh, Tom Hardy's wife. Oh, that's the best thing, too. In Peaky Blinders, the horse trainer that Killian Murphy has, like, a brief love affair with is Tom Hardy's wife in real life, and I'm like, I wonder what's that like. <laughs> like well, this is awkward. <laughs> this is awkward. It reminds me of, um, I don't know, if, did you ever see Clerks 2? Did I show you Clerks 2? Um, yes, you did. Yes, you did. We watched both Clerks. Okay. For a brief thing for the audience, right? Um, in it, the character Dante has a girlfriend in Clerks 2. Well, the girlfriend is... Um, Kevin Smith's wife in real life Kevin Smith who plays Silent Bob who directed Clerks too so it's like he's literally directing his wife to kiss someone on screen and I'm just like 
actors, I guess, man. <laughs> I wonder if he had a reassure. I'm like, it's cool, bro. I ain't upset. I ain't upset. It's just for the movie. But anyway, uh, yeah, so Alfie Solomons, I think, takes the cake as the number one. Although you can kind of say, I think Alfie and Bane go hand in hand and they could kind of duke it out for the number one spot. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, before we wrap everything up today, Brittany, do you have anything else to say about Alfie? Do you have any honorable mentions? Now's the time. <laughs> I still love that. Um, I wish I would have thought of those. I couldn't. I don't know why my brain. I, I Like I said, you know, it's like, it's finals week. Cut me a break, Tia. <laughs> it's all I good, girl. Honorable mentions. Um, I just really loved Alfie. You know, I really, I remember the moment you were like, oh, by the way, I'm watching PK Blinder season, season two. And I was like, can I skip season one and go straight to season two? <laughs> um, to be honest with you, I that's actually what I did. I watched season two first. I went back and watched season one. But I think that you kind of could catch on what was happening without having seen it that, just how i felt about it but anyway um simpin 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 um the only honorable mention i really have to say is freaking uh i liked his character eames from inception uh i just thought that he was quite playful and it's a fun role to watch um i liked his character from dunkirk there's not a lot there which is why i didn't put him but it's still a really nice character and the ending is uh, the ending of his character is kind of beautifully tragic. Um, and I did want to put a very honorable mention. Uh, Tom Hardy has a connection to Star Trek and it's so funny because we know Tom Hardy, right? As this very big imposing man, but Tom Hardy was not always like that. He was very, very skinny at some point. And if you guys are ever, uh, curious about it look up tom hardy star trek and he's supposed to be playing a clone of jean-luc picard played by patrick stewart and it is the most wild thing that you've ever seen in your life <laughs> i know it always throws me for a loop i'm like who are you yeah it's in the movie star trek nemesis that came out in 2002 um yeah just just go look it up but anyway, <laughs> just go look it up. But anyway, Brittany, um, please let everyone know where they can find you, what you got going on next, and all that good stuff. I'm going to say you can always find me on Twitch at Itty Bitty Brit. I have been uh, streaming a lot of, uh, I need to get back into Resident Evil, the new one that came out. Uh, it's fucking terrifying. Uh, I do want uh I was not trouble saying her name. Lady Dimitri? 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 I can't remember, but I want her to step on me. Uh, She is like a nine foot tall uh, lady with heels. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean that when I say like nine feet tall. Um, um, With the summer coming, I am going to be able to be a lot more consistent back streaming. Um, kind of keep back on my routine again of four nights a week, four hours each. And you can find me on Twitter at itty bitty Brit Zero and or itty bitty Brit on TikTok because I am about to start making a lot more TikTok content again. Oh shit, on the talk. Oh. <laughs> on the talk. 
on the talk. But yes, please make sure that you check out Brittany. She is a very dedicated streamer who spends a lot of her time trying to entertain you all. So make sure you give her some love. As for me, I got a few things to go through. We just hit a thousand subscribers on our YouTube channel, which is Geek Vibes Podcast. And that's amazing. I think when we started utilizing YouTube, not even a year ago, half a year ago, we were probably only at like 200, 300 subscribers. So thank you, everyone. Um, And if you're not subscribed, please subscribe. We have a ton of different shows and content for you to check out. Please do. Um, Please check out all of our amazing friends, by the way. Uh, As I said, the main Damie, Scene and Nerd. Uh, kind of nerdy girls, nerd with a tech, uh, sports bar podcast, P- uh, Pete's basement, freaking geekly goods, um, nerd rage podcast. We, there's so many, and I'm probably forgetting some people, but you can just check us out. Geekfivesnation.com it has links to all of our social media accounts. Um, yeah, just please make sure that you check all of that out. And if you want to follow me on my personal pages you can check me out on twitter and instagram at tc underscore stark uh no not as in tony stark as in simon stark from the video game ssx tricky i'm gonna go and play some (laughs) i'm gonna go and do what i've been doing for the past month and go play some gta 5 you all have oh my gosh you're addicted (laughs) you all have a great night a great day and let us know what is your favorite tom hardy role bye guys